Today, the Indiana impact of the coronavirus. As we talk with Governor Eric Holcomb, Senator Mike Braun, New House Speaker Todd Houston, State Senate Minority Leader Tim Lannon, and Marion County Health Director Virginia Kane. Plus, the end of the legislative session at the State House. As we hear from lawmakers on both sides, it's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. Today, the latest on the coronavirus outbreak as we sit down one-on-one -on -one with Governor Holcomb and talk with Indiana lawmakers about the many implications of this quickly developing situation here in our state and across the country. And we start in the nation's capital with our Washington correspondent, Trevor Shirley, tracking the latest developments and getting reaction from our Indiana lawmakers. Trevor. Dan, good morning. This week in Washington, authorities started shutting down to the public some of the country's biggest government buildings, including the White House. I caught up with some Indiana lawmakers to get their reaction. If fear of the coronavirus doesn't keep tourists at bay, then the police tape does instead. It's the right thing to do to shut down the Capitol for tours. Indiana Representative Jim Banks says the shutdown is to protect everyone. This week, one of Washington Senator Maria Cantwell's staff tested positive for the virus. Now her office is closed. Indiana Representative Susan Brooks says lawmakers are following the authority's advice. People need to not be out in public. People need to be doing all the things that, you know, the CDC and everyone is telling them to do. We're preparing for the absolute worst so that the worst doesn't happen. We are certainly trying to contain and prevent uh, the spread of, of coronavirus to the extent we can. We're learning more every day about uh, this virus, and uh, we want to minimize the economic impact. And we're weighing uh, a number of different policy measures. That includes a massive economic stimulus package, which could be voted on this week. But some, including Indiana Senator Mike Braun, say they're hesitant to rush into any economic relief decision too fast. We don't have enough information yet to where we're starting to, you know, do all these finance propping mechanisms that uh, may be needed. I just don't think we're there yet. Now, the Senate announced it's skipping its scheduled recess next week. Senators will stay here in Washington, hoping to get a vote on that relief package. Reporting in Washington, I'm Trevor Shirley for In Focus. All right, Trevor, thank you. This statement from Congressman Andre Carson earlier this week, who said instead of downplaying COVID-19 to protect his Wall Street buddies, the president should be supporting legislation to guarantee all employees have paid sick leave. Carson said nobody should be forced to make the choice between getting sick and paying the bills. A lot of reaction this week at the State House as state lawmakers ask the governor if more needs to be done. Kayla Sullivan has more reaction from the State House where she spoke one on one with Governor Holcomb. This is the letter that was sent to Governor Eric Holcomb. It asks about testing, funding, and potential state policies regarding the coronavirus. Some lawmakers are wondering how they might be able to help with this crisis. We need to know, is there any possibility whatsoever that we'll be called upon to take further action? I know things are rapidly occurring in this situation, but I really sort of feel like enough time has gone by that we really need to be fully versed, all the leaders and maybe all the legislators, in terms of what is the plan of the state of Indiana to deal with this crisis. With the session now over, Lannon wonders if the governor might call a special one in the coming days or months due to this crisis. I'm sure that my fellow leaders stand ready at any time to answer and do what we need to do as the legislature to help with this, with this situation. Some lawmakers, like Speaker-elect Todd Houston, say they have been briefed by the governor on coronavirus. Uh, I think we have to see what happens. Um, 
and see where we are as we come into the 2021 session. I mean, you know, the, the economic impact of some of the announcements that just were made tonight uh, will have real implications to to state finances and the Hoosiers. I sat down with Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb and State Health Commissioner Dr. Christina Box to find out what's next. Let's talk about the seriousness of this. You know, some people are claiming that the media is hyping this too much or that this is politically motivated. What do you have to say to those people? Well, first things first is this is a potentially dangerous personally and to a community if left unchecked. And, um, uh, I, I will say, and this is not pandering, I want to thank the press um, for making sure that the word is getting out and providing clarity to a topic that has so much uncertainty to it anyway. There's, there's no vaccine yet, and so we're all going through this um, globally together. And so for Hoosiers to have the most updated uh, information possible, whether it's got to do with the cases or how the, you know, the state and the local community, the folks on the front lines, um, or the, our federal partners, all the resources that are coming online. Um, uh, folks need to know that this is, you know, we've never, I said to our cabinet yesterday morning, none of us in this building um, ever have gone through a pandemic like this um, that has the potential to spread. And so all of our efforts are designed to make sure that we're flattening that curve and slowing that spread so that we're not all of a sudden finding ourselves, whether it's in a week or 30 days or 45 days or 60 days in this position where our healthcare system, for example, is overwhelmed by the demand to be treated. That um, social distancing, while may seem extreme or that isolation may seem extreme, it's not. Not in the world in which we live in today. And uh, like I said, this is a new normal and we have to take it seriously. And if you're not, um, you're out of step with reality. We got in this together, we're gonna get out of this together. Um, but we have to be prepared for the for that new normal and the the behavioral changes and the ripple effect that that has. Fortunately, the Senate, as I understand it, uh, sus or, uh, 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 eliminated their recess that was next week, and they're going back, um, and they'll be addressing what the White House and what Congress is talking about as we speak, uh, centered on the economic impact that this is having, not just on our nation, but on the people that are enduring this. So Indiana is fortunate enough to have a large surplus and we've talked about how <laughs> spending that surplus would be under emergency circumstances. Yeah. Would the coronavirus constitute an emergency for funding? Yes. Do you have any plans? Um, well, this is exactly um, the purpose of reserves. This is exactly the reason why. At this moment, how many test kits are available in Indiana? So Indiana, like pretty much every other state across the United States, has um, been functioning with some limited resources when it comes to being able to be uh, to test. It's kind of because we're on the later side of the number of countries that have gotten sick with this, so that has really disrupt disrupted supply lines and the ability uh, to have some of the chemicals that we need for this. We did just receive test kits from the CDC, so we're very pleased about that, and uh, we're going to get more kits next week. Some governors have chosen to mandate schools close. What yeah. would it take for you to make that decision? Well, we would ask schools if a, if a case appears, a, a positive case of COVID-19 appears in a school, um, or multiple schools in a corporation, we would, uh, we are going to, the Department of Health and the Department of Education are gonna be working with those schools to, to determine the best next step, which 
in, you know, in all likelihood could include a closure. Governor Eric Holcomb says his door is always open to lawmakers. News of the pandemic impacting major Indiana events broke at the same time lawmakers were trying to pass their last pieces of legislation Wednesday night. A surprise medical billing fix and a controversial tenant landlord rights proposal is headed to the governor. I have never seen anything like this. It's an overreach. And I think it's just a matter of what side of the fence you sit on. Some of the bills that didn't make it through session include guidance on whether the Indiana Attorney General can keep his job or run again after a suspension, and an Indigo funding proposal that caused major opposition from the city of Indianapolis. Reporting from the Indiana State House, I'm Kayla Sullivan for In Focus. All right, Kayla, thanks. So again, that Curtis Hill legislation failing still leaves a lot of questions there about what will happen next for the attorney general. But the focus this week again on the coronavirus coming up next, a lot of Hoosiers on the front lines of this coronavirus crisis. We'll talk with our panel about the importance of leadership up next and the race for president. What are the candidates saying with a one on one debate scheduled for later tonight? After consulting with our top government health professionals, I have decided to take several strong but necessary actions to protect the health and well-being of all Americans. Today, we have received new guidance, and we are prepared to act with immediate effect. Okay, it's time right now to bring in our panel to talk about this week's top stories and this coronavirus crisis. Joining us this week, former state party chairman Robin Winston for the Indiana Democrats, 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel, former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner, and former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy. What a week, guys. We're talking about the Indiana implications of the coronavirus. This week it kind of hit home for a lot of people, I think. Now many are wondering... Are we ready for this? Um, that's the big question and a lot of uncertainty still. Well, there's, I don't think there's any doubt that nobody was really ready because nobody could have expected this. I've been very impressed that, that Holcomb has uh, let the doctors do the speaking for the most part. The, expert, the health experts is what should happen. Um, he's kept his message to the, the broad policy implications, and he's also been very empathetic, which I'm really proud of him, the way he's handled things. So building off some of the sound bites we, we just heard, I know we'll have some different opinions here, but uh, are, are there examples of public leadership that you think have inspired some confidence? And conversely, where do we still need to make improvements here in your, in your mind? Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, Ohio is a pretty good example of acting swiftly and acting broadly. But here in state, I think we actually owe... Um, a lot to our institutions of higher education, which were on the cutting edge of uh, both Purdue and IU were on the cutting edge of closing their campuses, canceling their events, and making sure that they were sending students into a quarantine-like environment. Um, I honestly disagree with you, Mike. I think we've known about this for the better part of two months. We just didn't act because we didn't take it seriously. And that is actually not a political statement. Uh, we need to have far more tests available. We need to have, make sure that people, we have the beds available and the equipment available, and we just didn't do it. It's not that we didn't know, we just didn't prepare. But I think there's also, not everything, not everything that's going on does the public see, or frankly, with all due respect to you see. So I think the governor has been uh, working hard, and Dr. Box has been a true leader. She's an expert and just like Dr. Fauci on the, on the national scale. What about uh, the national response here? Uh, a lot of Hoosiers, certainly, on the front lines of this uh, fight who've made uh, news this week, too, and some have been grilled, Robin, on some of the specifics, including Seema Verma and Surgeon General Jerome Adams. 
Well, I think that the president started it all. I mean, it would be like a fireside chat with FDR with him criticizing Coolidge and Harding and, and the people that came before him. I don't know why you even have to bring that up. Let's get focused on the issue. You know, he's got he's to move away from this is going to impact my reelection and deal with it as a public health issue. And the sooner he does that, I think the better off we are. You know, it, it is having an impact all over the place here. I mean, the Big Ten tournament canceled. Huge economic NC, NCAA canceled. Small businesses that I know that rely upon that now impact it. So it is a big, a big deal, and I hope that uh, he'll face that up. Tony, your reaction on the president's response? The president's been making the right moves from the start, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. This came over from China, uh, but they, they realized it was going on in early December. They didn't report it until late December, early January. The president shut down travel from China. He was criticized heavily for that, but it was the right thing to do. It, it stopped the spread, for, uh, stopped the virus from coming in in the mass amounts that it did in China, South Korea, and Italy. He, what he did essentially was stop, there's going to be a curve, there's going to be a peak, and he hopefully, we, we think, has lowered that peak so that it's spread out more over time and not as many people are becoming infected. Uh, he, now, lately, or in the last week, he stopped travel from Europe. Again, now the epicenter is in Italy. And that was a smart move. He, he took some criticism again for that. But he's doing the right thing. He's declared a national emergency a lot faster than Obama did in 09 when the H1N1 bird flu started in April, but he didn't declare it a national emergency until 1,000 Americans had died in October. Well, let me say so those are all smart moves by the president. Let me say that I'm not a big Trump fan, as you know, and I do not disagree with most of the moves that Trump has made. I think they're pretty well done. But you have to communicate. If, if there's ever a time in American history when you have to communicate something precisely and accurately to stop panic and for the people's health, he did this, uh, this speech on Wednesday night. It was a dumpster fire. It was one of the worst presidential speeches in modern American history. He made three major policy mistakes. Now, it was written by Jared and by Stephen Miller, but it was in the, 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 the text of the, of the speech that cargo was included, that all travel to Europe and back was, was banned, and, and also that the, the treatments were going to be covered by the insurance industry. Not a single one of those elements was true. And the rest of the next 24 hours, his, his bureaucrats had to be walking everything back. Listen, that this, was a major this, this, mistake. This, this is a crisis. This isn't a walk in the park. There are going to be uh, some miscommunications, but he's getting it right all in all, he's declared the national emergency, and now he's also shared with the American public to calm the anxiety that the testing kits are going to be out here this week, starting early this, this week. This is the president of the United States, and he mistake. should have the top, the most expert staffers it, in the it, world I'm, writing And I'm that telling speech. you that it's the folks in the media and the Democrat presidential candidates that are causing the hysteria by politicizing no this. One's no one's, no. Yeah, Jennifer? No, I'm not politicizing it. I'm talking I, about his ability and to And I'm talking about more of the folks, uh, more, more so the folks on the national, in the national media and uh, Biden and It's uh, not the media's fault that he's not and leading Sanders. and he can't get his facts straight. He's, he can't get his facts straight. <laughs> he has a teleprompter just listen, like we do. He has he, a teleprompter. He's, he's, been, he's been calm. He's been uh, a leader on this and he's getting it right and you don't see the panic in the streets. That, that the media is portraying. You did see the former vice president uh, criti critical of the president this week. Of course, because Joe, Joe Biden's been through this and he brought rational thought. Tony, you just led by criticizing Obama. 
Leave it alone and focus on no, getting. No, it was a comparison. I know. Yeah, but, but <laughs> because they didn't do what, you, what but Trump use is the doing bandwidth now, because you guys led by criticizing Trump. So a lot. No, 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 no. Obviously, he led in his own address to the nation by criticizing past administrations. Focus on testing. Focus on doing the right thing. Do what other other governors have done. Governors that you guys always talk about. The governors have praised this administration. Gavin Newsom in in California has. Uh, uh, Cuomo in New York has. Working with the vice president. The vice president's president been communicating attacked, the with president the governor. The president attacked Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington, called him a snake. I mean, and come on, we don't need that kind of rhetoric now. A lot of people now. are hoping we can get past uh, the politics, right? Uh, campaigns are dealing with this as well. Uh, congressional candidate Kelly Mitchell just announced earlier this week She's going to be hosting a series of virtual town halls in light of the coronavirus. And along the lines of what we're discussing here, a lot of politics kind of entering into this conversation right now. We've been talking about this 5th District race. Candidate Carl Brizzy uh, kind of taking some heat this week for comments he gave to Importantville's Adam Wren saying, quote, overreacting is what the progressive elites want. Overreacting hurts the president, said Brizzy. We'll make decisions day to day in the best interest of public health and not use this epidemic to politically grandstand. He has since made some other politically related comments about this on Twitter. Jennifer, what's, what's your reaction to all this? And not just Brizzy's comments here, but this notion more broadly, we kind of touched on it there a minute ago, that, that, that some people think there's a purposeful or a political overreaction. Yeah, I, I thought I actually opened up by saying this is not political and that it got political, but it shouldn't be political because the little spiky virus on the screen behind us actually doesn't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. It does not care. It's going to infect you. It's going to be contagious. We know a lot more about it now than we did two, three, four weeks ago, and we're still learning. But I agree with Robin. Take the politics out of this. Oh, no, Carl Brizzy's grandstanding on something that he's trying to make you know, a campaign issue. That's a surprise. It has nothing to do with the coronavirus. It has nothing to do with us being prepared, and we need to focus our efforts on that. Let's get back Quickly to the pragmatism here, yeah. of the 5th District. Every one of these campaigns, actually all 16 of them, are going to have to rethink their entire campaign. Everybody's as of going about to have to rethink campaigning. The, the people who elections. are going to do well yeah. are the people who are going to have the best online fundraising because you aren't going to be able to have fundraisers over the next six weeks, right? You're not going to be able to have group meetings. There's going to be no debates or anything like that. So once again, it goes to the people with the best online operation and, quite frankly, the best, and what the best about, uh, name ID. What about Election Day? We saw Louisiana this week taking <clears throat> steps to delay their primary. Um, I have been asking, I told you about it, I told them about it before, that we get rid of something we've wanted to get rid of for a long time. Let's not have check boxes for the reason you can vote by absentee. You Let's, think you should be able to You should just be able to vote by, just vote by absentee. I mean, one thing that Mike didn't talk about, there's no door-to-door. -door. Who's going to go door-to-door? You're not going to go knocking at the door. Who's going to open the door to a total stranger now? You don't want to go to a senior citizen facility to vote on Election Day that's filled at Robin's Run. With, you know, people right. that are over 70 years old, do they really want 300 people coming in there to vote on Election which Day? Which could also impact the, the census, which is happening it this can, year. And it's too. 21 candidates, because we get five. You to get right. your name in there. No, oh, no, yeah, it's true. Yeah, so name also back. tonight, a, a presidential <laughs> debate, no live audience. Certainly the coronavirus will be a big topic uh, as well at that debate. Uh, what, what, what do you expect we, we might see? Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders on the debate stage tonight in Arizona. I think they're going to focus on responsiveness. I think they're going to make it more political. And I think that's, you know, unfortunate because we've got to focus on the response. Sanders has tried to say in the last couple of days, let's keep the politics out. Let's let the health experts speak. I hope he continues that, that, that mode. Biden is really the only one of the two that has any administrative experience. I mean, 
Sanders 378 bills authored and three passed, two of them naming post offices. I think Biden has the edge in this debate. And obviously, as we mentioned, uh, a lot of Hoosiers on the front lines of this debate. We're going to be talking much more about the coronavirus here on In Focus. Up next, see part of our interview with Marion County Health Director Virginia Kane on the local health response. Stick around. We'll be right back. Well, this week, we've been hearing from public officials at every level of government, but also talking with our local health officials, including Dr. Virginia Kane from the Marion County Public Health Department. We have good reassurance so far uh, that um, our efforts in our public are responding to uh, our, our uh, public health measures. And next Sunday, be sure to join us right here for a special edition of In Focus as we continue to go in-depth on the impact, the Indiana impact of this virus. We'll talk with Congresswoman Susan Brooks. We'll have more of our interview with Governor Eric Holcomb. We'll also talk with gubernatorial candidate Dr. Woody Myers coming up next Sunday right here. We'll also take some of your questions on our Facebook page that we'll take to those public officials. We'll be back to wrap things up after this. All right, time to wrap it up uh, after a pretty rough week in the news uh, with this week's winners and losers. Robin. I have two winners, Dr. Woody Myers, who laid out a very, very comprehensive plan and, uh, on how to deal with uh, the coronavirus. We'll be talking with him next week. And the Marion County school superintendents who are having to close their schools but are adapting their way to make sure kids get meals during that time that schools are closed. Yeah, big impact for parents, no doubt, Tony. I'm going to say the general public because are the winners you because this has grown exponentially yes. and we've seen more and more closings. I think folks are handling it well. They're not fighting over uh, Purell being out <laughs> or, or hand sanitizer <laughs> being out. Me, yeah, I will, I will sell this to any of you for $50. Oh, see, there you go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. That's, that's the right response. <laughs> Jennifer. Spoken like a true capitalist. Um, my winner is Joe Biden and my loser, honestly, is anybody who still doesn't believe this is a big deal. It's science. It's here. It's real. Get with it. Mike. My uh, losers have to be Stephen Miller and Jared Kushner, who wrote that horribly inaccurate speech for the president. The winner has to be winners, has to be anybody who's helping look out for each other. As, Steve, as uh, John yeah. Dunn said long ago, no man is an island. We need to be doing that now, no doubt about it. All right, more on our podcast. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We'll see you again back here next Sunday in Focus.